1: This is everything elite, presented by my bookie, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I may
2: be Aaron. I'm joined by my good friend Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all! It's your old pal, Aaron Mike Spears. I'm doing pretty well. You know, I'm feeling good. I feel like I'm looking good. I got the uh, I I, I got the fancy tracksuit on today, and you know, I'm just trying to you know get through day every every day I'm taking it day by day i guess after it takes me 10 seconds to stop stammering uh how are you ab he's taking it word by word and day by day folks exactly exactly
1: i i'm doing all right um no i don't know can't really think of anything that's that's going on i'm just uh i'm just here you know uh nate you're here how are you doing what <laughs>
3: Here I am. I'm, you know what I'm here for. I'm here for just this this high quality, top notch banter we've got at the top of the show. Yeah, uh, we're all just knocking it out of the park. Yeah, uh, Mike, I'm a little disappointed. You said you're doing well, but you did not fill up your mental health thermometer there on the whiteboard behind you. There's still, a, I think it's still at the same level it was last week. I would like to see that that get a little bit higher on these on these weeks when you're peaking.
2: Okay, then for you, I'm going to go off Mike and I'm going to fill this up here. Tell me when, okay?
3: Well, I, no, I can tell, tell you us for <laughs> a couple reasons. One, you're going to be away from your headphones, so that's going to make it tough. I have a long cord. I have a long Whoa, cord. Whoa, you can reach. How close is that thing to you? What? What the fuck? My, my scale of this room just got totally. <laughs> oh, shit. What the? That was like a visual visual trick. What was it? An optical illusion.
2: Yes. I thought, that, time... I thought
3: that thing was at like the far end of the room from you.
2: <laughs> no, no. I'm in a little alcove. And oh i
3: see oh whoa aaron are you you're with, you're with me on this right no this is blowing my mind it's like
1: you live in like an mc escher painting
3: <laughs> <laughs> that I, I
1: can't I, figure out
3: yeah i thought that whiteboard was like twice okay. the size and like on the far wall from
2: you no yeah. no no Oh my no. god! all right now i'm going to adjust it because that actually got me in an even better mood here we <laughs> go <laughs> Wow, yeah, that,
1: was,
3: that okay.
1: Wow, I can't believe he can reach this from his chair. The wow, this tracksuit also in all its glory here is like amazing.
3: I just I feel like I'm through the looking glass here. My entire perception of of Mike's room was just <laughs> torn asunder and rebuilt yeah. in an instant.
2: And, uh, and of course, <laughs> podcasting is a visual medium. Yeah, so.
3: I, I wish. Yeah, I wish we could share with our listeners the experience of doing 100 of these things and seeing mike's uh recording studio <laughs> set up here and then all of a sudden realizing you'd been viewing it exactly wrong the entire time
2: i i mean did you just like think that like my uh my signed eight by ten from konami was just massive on my wall like did I, you think I, the,
3: yeah i guess i must have
2: did did you think that my art uh sadaharu O is just like poster like, i just
1: i just thought maybe that i thought that was close to you but i've always thought the whiteboard was almost like on a different wall or something i
3: i thought the whiteboard was flush with your door like i thought that yes. was the same wall no yes. there's
2: like a bookshelf behind behind that album. yeah it, it's such a yeah.
3: clean break from the wall to the bookshelf i think that i it just didn't compute visually
2: no then did you just think I'd like a strip of things on my back wall? I had like, this is kind of blowing my mind. Like I felt like it was kind of assumed here that like, I mean, I'm in and I'm out. Now, of... that
3: I'm, now that I'm, you know, now that I've had my visual understanding corrected, there's all sorts of questions that I like, <laughs> why did I not realize this sooner? But Aaron was right with me. So I feel yeah. like, wow.
2: I, yeah, I mean, I do live a... in a form of magical realism. So it is kind of sure. fitting that, that my, be,
3: yeah. your scale is just uh, all over the place. It varies it, from square foot
2: to square foot. It's all asunder to y'all today. I I also want to
1: out myself as I wanted to say MC Esther, but I couldn't remember his name, so I googled stairs art. <laughs> 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 and it came right. up on the first page.
3: Sick. Well, there we go.
1: All right. Well that
3: is that is his shtick. He is the stairs
2: <laughs> art guy.
1: <laughs> I gotta say, mate, I think we turned that banter around there. And by
3: that I mean
2: you turned the banter around. Well, yeah, thank you. So thank you. Congratulations. I I mean I am the active reason, so you're welcome. That's true. Are you the active
3: reason? I don't know. I I catalyzed your motion toward the whiteboard. So (laughs) I'd say I was the active element and Mm. you were merely reactive to me.
2: Yeah, yeah, but we could both agree that Bentley had absolutely jazzed. Right, man.
3: Along for the ride. Yeah. Yeah, On our coattails as usual.
2: That's that's the story
1: of this podcast. So Happy to be here. Uh, thanks everyone for uh, for joining us on this show. No, that's not what I'm going to say next. What I'm going to say next is, if you want more of our banter, you can find it on Twitter at everything aew. I'm at Aaron like the card. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya. Subscribe to this podcast on the podcast app of your choice. Give us a five star rating and a review if you use the Apple Podcast app. And uh, go check out Patreon.com/slash Everything Elite. If you want to support the show, all right. We're gonna get right into it. Um, I don't know. If this is not I don't know. I think everybody had very positive feelings about this show, and I think I was a little more in the middle. So I'm, I'm interested to see where our views depart on this episode. But we'll get it started with, elite or delete. Nate, your uh, favorite thing from the show.
3: Favorite thing from the show. So. I believe discussed on this very podcast last week that uh, Will Hobbs had kind of been made to be an afterthought in his little program that they were doing. You know, they had this will they, won't they thing with Team Taz. uh, And uh, the feud was based around Darby. And then Will Hobbs is the rescue guy. And then Cody got involved. And it just seemed like week after week, Will Hobbs didn't have any matches to wrestle. He was just kind of the last guy to show up on the scene and make the save for Darby or Cody, even when maybe it wasn't necessary or, uh, <laughs> you know, it seemed like maybe he was missing his cue or something. Uh, so pointed that out last week. I think Aaron, you said, you know, some people have theorized this is because he's actually going to join team Taz. And so he doesn't want to tip his hand by, uh, you know, going out there and attacking team Taz or, uh, you know, being there to actually make a difference on these angles. Uh, and it turned out that was correct. That was the big angle we got on this show, full of angles with Will Hobbs making the save, we think, uh, for Cody and Darby Allen after the main event, picking up the FTW title, which uh, Brian Cage left in the ring, and then clocking Cody with it to a big reaction. Uh, I think i was I was pretty, pretty surprised. I did not genuinely expect it. I kind of thought they were just going to put this guy in a white meat baby face role. Uh and I find this is much more interesting. I totally got worked by the ongoing Will Hobbs angle here. Was happy to be worked. So I've got to give it up to the to the booking for that attention to detail and this big angle that worked in a big way.
2: And it's something that one thing that I've liked of what they've done with Team Taz is that they have not made Team Taz ever look like that they are silly heels. They are serious heels. And even though, like, the whole Will Hobbs thing kind of was played out the way it did, it, it makes them look like they're they're incredibly smart heels. And it's something that I really like on this. I think it's something that for someone like Hobbs, having, like, like I'm excited about this trio. Like, like, this trio rules and, you know, how they can go from here. Like, are they going to then use, like, Cody versus Hobbs as, like, an intermediary feud. There's a lot of ways to go with it, and it's all pretty interesting. I mean, it does now really feel like, though, that we're at a point where Team Taz is going to diverge, where it's going to be, like, Cage and Hobbs doing one thing, and then uh, uh, Ricky Starks doing the uh, TNT title feud with uh, with Darby Allin. And I'm okay with that. I think that, that, that you can do multiple things at the same time. So I thought, like that this was just uh, full marks across the board. Yeah, I've been
1: saying for a while that the Team Taz Darby thing is the most compelling story in the company. And I think that continued to play out. Somebody, I think in the Discord, Uh, not sure, but somebody somewhere said that this angle felt like it elevated the whole crop of people who were involved. Of like, It went from kind of an upper mid-card angle to like, oh no, this is like the main event. And this can be the main event going forward. So I think it was very successful.
3: Yeah, you know, they've got... I was kind of struck by that and and struck by, in general, they've set up a lot of units in this company now. They continue to do that and and reunited some on this show. Um, There's not any that feel like they're not viable. They all feel like they're – like every unit, you know, even if some have taken losses or uh, been put on the back burner a little bit, they all have something – in their formation or in what they've done in the company that you can latch onto and say, Oh yeah, no team to Taz. They're legit. They're contenders. Uh, you know, they're, they're a force to be reckoned with in the company. That's uh, you know, there's not one I can like point out and go, Oh, they're, they're weak. They're jobbers. They're nothing.
2: And, and I think that's like a good way for me to kind of get into my elite thing. And that is you have like this powerful trio. Now we had the reuniting of death triangle and the partitioning of the family to, what it looks like, it's going to be Eddie and the Butcher and the Blade. And then, of course, Lucha Brothers and Pack. We've got some really like spicy trios going on here. And that's something that I feel like that is an underserved niche, at least for wrestling. I, I think that there's only like a few companies that have been able to do trios or six-man titles in an interesting fashion. But it, this was something that uh, our friend Cara brought up in the Discord about like being able to like push this like built as idea of like what group is the top group like the like the thing that she brought up was how in dragon gate they say that the triangle gate is the representative of what unit is strongest at this time and i'm not saying that they need to have another title when they've already had like all these things like are we supposed to get like a ring match for mjf this year that's an aside but having like all these trios and having death triangle together they could do a trios tournament now and I feel like we've said this like 6 months ago and I think it'd be really be really hot. So like I'm here for all the trios that are popping up and it give us something else, extra and something different to have on the TV shows over the next few weeks. So I'm stoked about everyone just making friends.
1: Yes, I love when people make friends. I'm pro friends. I'm not uh as much of a trios pervert as as Mike Spears is, but I'm always in favor of something that can uh let other people get involved you know that aren't necessarily involved in like the top feuds or whatever i do uh i disagree with the idea that there's like that aw needs more belts though like i think they're doing fine on belts uh it doesn't mean that it's a bad idea to add a trio's title or any other title that they want to add but i feel like with the size of the roster and the amount of television time they have uh they're fine with with the titles that they have so far. What about like
2: just a just tournament? I feel like they could do a tournament.
1: Oh no, that'd be great! Like uh, when they kind of did, um, well, they did the women's tag team tournament, which turned out okay. But yeah, just like a cool tournament to give people something to do, give them some bragging rights. You have to, you know, execute it better than they executed the the women's tag team uh, cup. As far as like giving the winner something, uh, but yeah, that'd be interesting.
3: Yeah, uh, I, I certainly don't think they need more titles because they have enough titles Uh, they don't really have enough time for all the talented people that are on the roster which is a good problem to have but you know you can imagine how some people on the roster would want to be featured more often or make tv more often Um, so yeah i think trio's titles are particularly interesting maybe if that's for the second show maybe trio's titles are exclusive to the to the third hour or something maybe trio's titles are an annual tournament where they just do it once every year, and then you know the the defending team only has to come back once a year and defend it uh, and make it a special thing that kind of way. Um, just because you mentioned the the women's tag title tournament, they also did on the cruise um, intergender matches. I'm kind of I'm kind of entertained by the idea just to kind of keep uh, gender parity and some. You know, obviously not real gender parity, uh, but to approximate it, I'm kind of intrigued. And maybe this is because uh, Saki Akai was just the DDT trios champion, but I'm kind of intrigued by the idea of making the trios titles gender neutral. Just saying, yeah, anybody can challenge for them because that would just create a new sort of division that opens up some matches that you don't get to do elsewhere. um, And, you know, lets you do some more creative booking that way. And it also helps you make those titles distinct and have their own identity.
1: Well, speaking of women, uh, my elite is going to be the sudden realization by AEW that women exist. They exist, folks. They're here. This show had what three, four segments that were that was focused on women. I mean, they were pretty quick segments, but <laughs> <laughs> but you know we we like to reward uh, any sort of positive uh, movement. So you know we got this nice little. Uh, match well, it was a good match with Serena and Thunder Rosa. I kind of hated the, I hated the run in part of the angle because it it didn't lead to the finish. But then Rosa lost anyway, so it's like she didn't overcome it. But it also didn't like immediately cost her the match. So it's like, well, yeah. what what was the point of it?
3: Well, I I actually like that because it it still kind of gives her an out. She oh she only lost because she got attacked in the fucking middle of the match. You know, if she hadn't. If that hadn't happened, you know, who knows what happened to the finish. But it also it kind of just decreases the idea of it being a, a cheap finish a little bit because they right. continue to, to wrestle a match. So it is you can't do it all the time, but from time to time, it it, it kind of succeeds for me in having your cake and getting it too.
1: But you had that. Then you had the really hot Rosa and uh, Britt brawl after the match. that so I thought they did really well. You had the Jade Cargill. Angle obviously she's getting, she they're going to use her. She's going to be built up. Uh, you know, it looks like she's in a feud with Brandy to get started, but she's there. Then you had the segment with John Silver basically letting us know that Anna Jay was going to be challenging Hikaru Shida, and then Shida's like heating that up on Twitter too. So it's like okay, there's some things that are moving. I'm not ready to say you know that they've they've uh, like our friend Raw that they fixed the women's division because uh, not sure that I'm going to give them that much credit for something that they've done for exactly one total week so far. But it's at least something that is going somewhere. And it's a huge pushback on this terrible idea that Sarita De put out last week that there aren't enough women who are TV ready. In fact, it would be dangerous to put these women on TV. They'd hurt each other. It's like, okay, on this very show, we saw at least four women. Who uh, are good enough to be on TV? Uh, Penelope Ford was on Dark this week. She's very good. They've had Red Velvet on TV. They only have Hikaru Shida wrestle about once a month on TV. They have, and we saw Big Swole on this episode too. Like she was involved in the the Jade Cargill thing. You don't have to have 20 women who are TV ready to have a division. Uh, You know, and of course, they use a lot of the same men in the main event picture. So, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that they feel like they don't have enough TV-ready men there. So this episode pushed back on that, reminded everyone that women exist, and, and planted some seeds for some things they can do going forward. So I like it.
3: Yeah, uh, it was exciting to see them attempt to do multiple stories in the women's division on one show. That was exciting. Uh, so yeah, I do, do want to give them credit for, like, getting it right. But also, this is, this is kind of... Uh, an indictment of what they've been doing to this point because look how fucking easy it was to do this. Like the the Jade Cargill segment was what? 25 seconds. You can't, you couldn't have been doing that with any of the other talented women uh, on the show up to this point. Like, Oh, Oh, this, the fucking, uh, the stop clock watchers are out there complaining about the women's division. All these people are, uh, you know, counting the seconds on every show it took 20, they, they couldn't define 20 free seconds on any other show to run a second fucking women's segment. It's like, you know, I'm not expecting 50 minutes of women, but it's just like the fact that they wouldn't even do a short little promo like that, have a little Anna J promo, have a little Penelope Ford promo um, that they couldn't do that before is, is just was illustrative of the fact that they didn't care to do it. So, you know, Anything else is just narrative.
2: And if you look at the segments like the Jake Cargill Brandy Road segment, there's a lot of ways that just this forty-five seconds, maybe forty-five seconds of screen time, like you had Red Velvet and Serena D that were tending to Brandy. So you have like Trio there, like going back to trios. Uh-oh. It, it, and and then you you had and then you had Big Swole coming up there, so she's in it. So actually, that's in Atomicos now. But uh, you also had Nyla there. Nyla Rose was there. Vicky Vicky Guerrero was there. So like you have like the the idea of there's ways you can go from this. For and it's not even like expanding like the the stopwatch thing. It's just putting forth any sort of thought into this. Like, of course.
1: Just- of course, Mike. That's also a reminder that Vicky Guerrero was there. That they yes, yes. That we can't yes. count on them to follow through on things because they that's literally fair. ran an angle at the pay per view with Nyla, like Nyla and Vicky. You know, breaking down, and then here she is with Nyla on TV two weeks later.
2: Oh, that that's entirely fair, and and it, but it's something that still you have all these people involved, and you did this, and you've given motivate motivation in forty five seconds. You have you have Anna Jay's motivation in a minute. It's not necessarily like uh, like trying to do a comparative analysis. It's just putting forth any sort of effort into this that I, I feel like is not unreasonable to ask. But we got this week.
1: Yeah, our, our, just in time, because our friends at Defector uh, picked up on the shittiness of the women's division uh, this week and had a, a column that was uh, not bad. It was good. Uh, I mean, it's hard to like, I sympathize with the author, uh, Lauren... Thyssen, Dyson, not sure how to pronounce her name, but I sympathize with her because she basically said, like, just fucking do more. Like, there's, re- I can't really give you, like, a uh, huge take here because the take is just, like, do more than you're doing now. So she's right. Okay, well, uh, our listener, Elite, comes from a very good friend of the show, friend of all of us, Tharos, who said, uh, the general show pacing, the fastest-feeling dynamite, in a while i saw this kind of going around a lot that people thought this moved pretty quickly
2: yeah i thought that this was such like of a breeze of a show where it was something where it was i guess because the top the hour show that they had or something they had was pack versus blade it was something that like after the jade cargill attacking brandy road thing, i was like oh wait this show is already two-thirds of the way over and it it just felt like it kind of went by and i think that's another thing about having these 45 second segments like that, that get to the point and get out. You don't waste time and it f- keeps things moving. Like, I'm a big fan of keeping things moving. Like, I, you know, how much on Dark AB that whenever I think a match is going on too long, I want to hit the button and just, and just do the old uh, talk and shop uh, mania fast forward to the finish. Like, the, the, they did a good job this week of how it was paced considering how many angles and segments there were this week.
1: All right. Well, let's talk about the things we didn't like from the show. Nate, your delete pick of the week.
3: Well, speaking of angles, uh, really, really great job by all of us here of segging, segueing right into the next person's selection. Uh, <laughs> I understand we that we don't plan this, folks. Hey, mine were intentional, actually. Um, I understand that this is a fake combat sport entertainment product, and you're going to do <laughs> a lot of backstage attacks, and run-ins, and post-match attacks, and big brawls. Um, and most of them on this show were even pretty good, but it is actually ridiculous to have a attack angle in literally every segment on the show except for those in Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> uh, you can go down the rundown. I think maybe the backstage promo with uh, John Silver having Anna Jay issue a challenge to shida I think is literally the only segment uh, in Florida that didn't have some sort of attack angle taking place, and it's like. Uh, Tony Khan went on the Observer, went on Observer Radio, uh, and made a bold and brazen appeal to the to the voters that he wants the Best Booker Award. He called out Gato and said, "Gato, you did this big angle with Evil, uh, and on the very same show, you did a big angle with the Dangerous techers laying out uh, Tanahashi and Ibushi." And he he took Gato to task, saying, "You know, you're you're not accomplishing as much by doing both those angles together because somebody's only going to remember one of them." Uh, which I just I find ironic because TK booked this show and just was like okay and then there's an attack and then there's an attack and then there's an attack and you just get diminishing returns you get angle inflation uh, the attacks just mean a little bit less and we come to expect them you know it's not a shocking attack for Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker to start brawling at ringside after the match after the running because if if there's a camera on the ring there's going to be an attack we just know that now so you know minor gripe and again. <laughs> all of them like pretty much worked it's just it's silly it just kind of it kind of uh you know it's it's got a little bit of like a tna feeling you know oh attack angle 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 to the back
2: it did have a to the back kind of vibe to it this week it was something where outside of the moxley promo i think everything had and and i guess maybe uh Silver and, and Anna, like Anna J.
3: But Moxley did get laid out after that promo.
2: After that promo, to be fair, you're right. Like there was something, but like that. And I mean, I probably wasn't going to submit a ballot to the Observer, anyways. But I don't think that I would have put this. I I don't think that uh, Tony Khan would be getting my vote. And but like that, who that's a whole shot. Would be
3: getting, who would be getting your vote this year, Mike? Oh, Are you opening the gate.
2: Oh, uh, I, the gate remains open. In the Spears household. And I thoroughly believe that uh the person that is always credited Ginky Horaguchi is the Booker of the Year, in my opinion. There you go. He's Genki not Hora the real Gucci, booker though.
3: In the in the elite
2: verse this week. Yes, he was. We, we got some backslides.
3: Um,
1: well let's backslide right into your uh D pick here, Mike.
2: Yeah, uh this inner circle hangover thing, it just kind of went on forever. <laughs> like this was like the only time that I, like But like As Tharo said, like the show was really like snappy. It got to the thing. And it's something where I I feel like it's not even that's an old an old reference, because I feel like this movie is like kind of a part of greater popular culture canon at this point. But it's something where it just was lame. And not it just it was one of those things that was like making the reference versus actually being funny and that's one of my least favorite thing is humor that's just making the reference and it kind of went on for way too long having conan show up show up and smoke them out that was great like that was a highlight of the things but like swoggle and a baby and like the baby diaper like the hangover like the idea of uh mjf getting getting soft written all over his face like I don't uh, like all the thing about like the Everclear. clear just went on forever. And just l- like, was it all really necessary? Like, like was this like the, the necessary, like funny, like breakdown thing that's worth what all they did to do this. And I, I think the answer is no.
3: Yeah. Um, I didn't like the hangover in the first place. Uh, thought it was pretty overrated for its era. Uh, I think you're correct. The, I, if I want to shout out one segment of this, I think that Sammy Guevara's performance was pretty good in, in maintaining the tension between him and MJF, uh, and, and even playing that while drunk. So that that jumped out to me, but other than that, no real jokes to speak of here. Mostly a lot of references. Um, you know, it's hard to it's hard to fault it because I think <laughs> Your your average wrestling fan probably goes fucking wild for a reference or two, you know. Um, probably sees something they recognize and they go, "Ha, ah, I remember that!" And then you know that carries them through the segment. But didn't really work for me, I guess. If if I want to give them credit, they they went to the effort of shooting a bunch of vignettes on location uh, to advance the story in some way, I guess. Uh, and and having. Sp- gone to that expense and coming up with these bits and shooting them and editing them uh, it was still relatively brief you know they hit they hit two video segments and then they were kind of done with it and uh, I think that was just enough
2: wasn't Jericho on commentary like randomly saying hey that was wild and that was it afterwards
3: yeah he literally came out to do like a button on it and said hey that was it uh, next week we're gonna do do a match and then he went home which <laughs> I guess I guess they didn't have they didn't think they had a, a payoff good enough to to close the, close the loop on those segments. So they just wanted to have him out there in some way to remind people that it was over and, and Chris Jericho's here in this company and he's going to wrestle. Um, yeah, that was a little unusual. Well,
1: speaking of bad jokes, uh, I guess I'll be the one to do it. Uh, I'm going to delete Jim Ross from this company from existence, uh, just generally uh again i mean not only does he keep calling women jezebels on on this show week after week but uh this time they're doing i mean it's hard you know to criticize something that takes the piss out of aw heels to begin with but yet i have to uh, they were doing the heels uh, hard sell that they do in every women's match on this uh on this promotions television show and Jim Ross said, oh, do you think they have bake sales? And like, that's bad enough. But then he goes on Twitter and it's like, oh, I guess you just don't get humor, do you? New to comedy, huh? <laughs> and and he's and also funny. He's like, uh, it was actually a self-defecating <laughs> joke about me being
3: fat. <laughs> well, he sure did shit his pants. So He,
1: he did self-defecate. So I just think, uh, I think. I think it was Kath Barbadoro said this on Twitter. It's like, look, it's time to just tell JR at the very least to go to the bathroom during women's matches and just not call women's matches, if nothing else. I mean, But I think they should just uh, take him off the desk, period.
3: Couldn't have had a fucking dumber line, and he's had dumb lines on, in the past. Um, the kind of what the fuck are they trying to do with AEW's heels here? Uh, I think Brandy's defense of it was like, oh, yeah, no, we don't have a a great women's division, uh, but we focus on the the women fans because a lot of women's fans don't like women's wrestling, Uh, but they only plug it during the women's matches. So that kind of suggests that their, you know, metrics say otherwise. Uh, And then, yeah, you're trying to get women to join this fan club. You know, no objection to them doing a women's fan club. Uh, You know, I think when they originally launched it, they intended to do like, fan club or women's only seating, which is a great thing to do to, you know, make make a underrepresented demographic feel comfortable at your shows. Uh but then you have fucking dumbass Jim Ross come out here and be like, "Women, they can bake me food." Uh just totally contrary to what you're trying to achieve. Uh makes you look super fucking old and out of touch. Uh, you know, Eddie Kingston was like, "Yeah, Jim, it's fucking 2020. Catch up." Uh, And Jim's like, oh, I'm not complaining. Well, it always sounds like you're complaining, Jim. So sorry about your fucking voice.
2: Eddie Kingston calling him out on that was something. But yeah, it's just, come on. Like, I get why he's around. He's not, would be my choice for this. But at a certain point, it's not, it, it is always on him. But at a certain point, you are enabling this. And that reflects on you even more so, I'd argue, than on Jim Ross himself, because Jim Ross can't control himself, apparently.
1: All right, well, if Jim Ross uh, wants to, you know, get his shit back together, he should head over to my bookie because big game for a good old JR this weekend. Uh, It's Bedlam, I think. Uh, Yes. Oklahoma State versus Oklahoma, and I'm looking at it now, and it looks like uh, JR Sooners are a seven-point favorite. So if Jim wants to bet on that, if anybody else wants to, they can head over to my bookie. Uh, of course, they also have NFL going on. I mean, college basketball is going to be back in like a week, so it's about time uh, you can bet on that. Uh, you just have to use the promo code ELITE E L I T E, and you can get double your deposit bonus up to a thousand bucks. They'll match it dollar for dollar. You put in a hundred bucks, they'll give you a hundred. You put in a thousand bucks, they'll give you a hundred. If you use the promo code, Elite Mike, are you going to uh, have a bet on on Bedlam?
2: You know, I stay away from Bedlam. It's uh, a good it, idea. It, it's a game that is just not worth the effort. I'll tell you what game I'm thoroughly vested in right now, though. AB, and this is something for our viewers: Appalachian State from Boone, North Carolina, versus the Coastal Carolina. Chanticleers Clears of Conway, South Carolina. This is a game that is that I'm vested in right now. It's two of the best. Uh, a group of five teams are facing off this week, and a plus five App State is a plus five favorite. Maybe there's a lot of ways you can go on this, on this bet. So that Mike, that's, Mike's right. heavy on App State, folks. I I mean the 170 money line scenes also tasty, and then also they're about to announce their Thanksgiving bets which is a big thing. I remember us Ooh. talking earlier about when they do like their kind of crazy bets that they would like to do. I think they did just start the NFL season this year. They had a bunch of those. So keep posted. And it's something that I mean, again, with our for promo code elite, you get a hundred percent free up to a thousand dollars. And you know, if w- with the holidays, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of stuff on that. You could probably bet on that's not even sports related. Like you, you could. I guess table tennis is sports related. To be fair, sure, I but gonna... I mean,
1: let's be frank. You don't want to go see your family because of COVID. Uh, that's going to be sad. So to get a little dopamine fix, bet on some sports. Bet on uh, some games.
2: Uh, they do have a Survivor Series, which I did not know is this weekend. Bets up. There you go. Right now. So
1: it just makes you feel better to bet on on sports and and see how it turns out. So head over to my bookie promo code, Elite. All right, uh, ratings. Big week for our friends at AEW. Up to 850,000, almost 100,000 increase in viewers. Uh, Seventh in the demo with a 0.37. I would say their total viewers and that demo was the highest that we've seen in some time. I'm sure Mike will give us uh, the dope on that. NXT flat, uh, 0.14 in the demo, 638,000. Down a little in the demo, really. But a real good week for AEW.
2: Yeah, so this was the highest demo that they've had since September 9th, which was in which was during like all the uh all the adjustments because of NBA and the playoffs. So they were right they ran completely uncontested that week, so they were ahead there. This is their best uh p uh, uh twos the since since uh, uh since the NBA playoffs. So like that was really remarkable to me. The thing that really got me and I know this is something that Dave Meltzer has pointed out, and has gotten a lot of people kind of up in their feelings about their their P eighteen to thirty four was a huge jump, almost doubled it in one week alone, and apparently that's really high to that's higher than what WWE Raw did this week. Uh, interesting enough, AEW was only three hundredths of a demo point out of being the outright number one show on cable last night. If you take out the NBA draft, the NBA draft was on last night. It dominated, had three of the top five uh, shows, had a 1.1 demo. It just was, it dominated, but not as much as one would expect. Uh, so I have some investment advice for NXT right now, Aaron, that Ooh. I feel like they need to do. And this is, it's about time for them to look into a timeshare because they've been spending a lot of time at 56 place. This is their fourth week out of the last seven. So you know it's no pitch and forge it's no Myrtle Beach but you might want to look into a the timeshare there at 56th nice
1: uh, I guess the big question is going to be if they can uh, get over a million or you know can they improve on this 850 for the big winter is coming show on December 2 any predictions
3: I mean I think it's uh, achievable they've they've broken a million live viewers repeatedly for individual segments recently. And we know they're getting over a million viewers regularly with DVR viewership. So the question is, can they get those people to turn in live for a world title match that's been built between, you know, two of your five biggest single stars? Uh, Yeah, I think they can. John Moxley's builds are better than everybody else's builds, Um, you know, excepting what MJF wanted to do with his little election shit. So, yeah, I think they can get there.
1: All right. Well, we will see. Uh, this certainly—I don't know. I can't explain it other than I guess people are just moving away from news and coming back to AEW. So uh, I don't know, but we'll see if this keeps up going forward.
2: Yeah, I think that that's a fair assessment. Uh, it still was like Fox News stuff that was ahead of them, but not not by a lot. But only like point oh three away from Tucker Carlson in the demo, like that.
1: So, so the libs have uh, left MSNBC to come back to AEW. <laughs>
2: I guess, man, I'm still trying to piece this out, but I think that 1 million P2 is entirely possible, especially given how they're trying to crank this up for there. And I mean, they spent their, their build up at least for the show, especially with team Taz versus Darby and Cody was something that they kind of went forth the extra effort. So I'll be real interested to see how well this quarter hour performs. So, you know, I, I think it's realistic to think they could get a uh, 1 million average and maybe above a point four and 18 to 49 for the first time in over a year.
1: I saw a friend of the show Chris Hayes was putting up near NXT demo numbers. Uh, It's just very sad.
3: Well, what'll be interesting to see is if, uh, you know, miraculously Trump doesn't succeed in his coup attempt and does indeed cause some sort of schism in the Trump and Fox News relationship and he goes off to his Newsmaxes or OANs or, you know, OAN presented by the Trump network. If that causes a schism in those... Those nightly demo numbers for Fox News, because that could be a big opportunity. Uh, what, what AW fans should be hoping for is that Trump legitimizes Newsmax, brings them onto the grand stage, uh, and cuts and cuts that Fox News audience down. Uh, I think that'd be great for AW and great for democracy.
1: All right, now you've you've done this uh, two times now. Have I been saying schism wrong my entire life?
3: Um, yes. If you've been saying schism, I think it's probably either or. You check the check the Wikipedia pronunciation guide
1: I'm seeing a k here uh, Nate
3: okay is it a soft k
1: <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I, I, you actually can't trust me on uh reading pronunciations no clue what the, what those things no are. I don't
3: I don't know that we, we were ever received any sort of uh education on reading pronunciations at least I didn't no
1: I certainly didn't so okay well let's move in to
3: I think I think schism just sounds. Um, you know schism is maybe a little your guy's neck of the woods and and schism oh is, maybe is what the uh you know i'm tr- I'm trying to subtly do a uh condescending <laughs> northerner major metropolitan area voice sure. here but
1: also the only uh the only good tool song schism
3: <laughs> uh you didn't like parabola is that one
1: I don't know man. <laughs> I, I, just really like the, I just I bought, really
3: like that. I riff. there's a, a story about <laughs> I bought I bought uh fuck how do you pronounce it? Lateralist? Yeah, that, yeah. I think so. I, I, I went out and bought that album probably at a borders, <laughs> because uh Carson Daly plugged it on TRL <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> oh, this is good. I don't know, I don't know what motivated me to like I can't imagine they played it on TRL, but he definitely like shattered it out for some reason. I was like, oh, I'm gonna check that out. And then I went and bought it. And I liked it for a long time.
1: That was a classic Carson Daly thing of always trying to be like, okay, actually I'm cool. Uh I don't like any of this shit.
3: Well, that's that's what we do on this show when we shout out random Joshi references. <laughs>
1: okay, I guess fuck. I guess that's true. <laughs> we are the Carson Daly's of podcasting.
3: Yeah, we're we're three Carson Daly's, that's for sure.
1: I don't know though. We're pretty like earnestly uh we pretty much earnestly enjoy aw and are like honest about when we enjoy it so hey
3: well yeah i don't i don't know that carson daly Carson Daly probably loved hanging out with Brittany and christy at all the time probably has, sure. has has its perks
1: i believed okay this is embarrassing i believed until approximately six months ago that carson daly and stephen jenkins from third eye blind were brothers in the hobby
0: and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing, you know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. Off Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of the Wrestling Podcast Network.
1: Because they used to say that on TRL all the time.
3: Okay, I don't remember that reference.
1: Yeah, that's
2: beyond me.
3: Well, the real TRL heads who will know. <laughs> I do remember um, another album that I bought on Carson Daly's recommendation or plug was the Sophomore, I think, Eve Six album, the one with like Ooh. the, here's to the night, that one? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yes. I bought that one because Carson Daly made a big deal about it on TRL. And I was like, oh yeah, I love that Blender song. I'm going to go get that. <laughs>
1: I liked Eve. S- I mean, that one Eve Six album is good. I'm just not sure which one that is.
2: It. It's something though, and actually, AB, I was enjoying your episode of Art School Albums earlier today. Oh, like you are talking about the zeitgeist with Case about how TRL was such a thing, and like the the whole overall idea that that the year nineteen ninety nine collectively all broke our brains, and especially with like TRL is like the big example of like you want to see like what how people white people of a certain age are the way they are. Ah, uh, get people that were either pro NSYNC versus pro Backstreet Boys, and both of them had a, a video they're trying to push up TRL.
1: Yeah, it's like if you love the K-pop stands now. I mean, there was just a time where the NSYNC versus Backstreet Boys uh, thing was was just as serious.
3: Uh, it's it's the exact same, except that the K-pop stands have the outlet of social media. Yeah, yeah. So instead of making you know your phone calls from your parents' phone in your bedroom or whatever, you're like organizing harassment campaigns or like organizing fundraising charitable campaigns. Um, yeah. There was a good article on maybe it was current affairs. Maybe it was the new Republic. Maybe it was something else uh, about how like K-pop stands kind of figured out online organization before any other like actual uh, uh, interest group in an interesting way. Uh, yeah. yeah was... Same, same shit with people buying multiple NSYNC albums because they wanted to be Backstreet Boys or whatever.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking that if whoever can weaponize uh, K-pop stands or like turn some of the leaders of K-pop, uh, pop into, you know, social activists, into, you know, campaign leaders uh, is going to experience a real breakthrough.
3: Well, that, that, that happened to some degree during this most recent election uh, with them, flooding the trump site for ticket requests and shit that's true that's true and they do uh they're they're like regularly get you know some kind of news article because the on people will try to do some hashtag and the k-pop people will just flood it with fan cams and and tear yeah. it down basically
1: i just you know i see aoc saying the democratic party really sucks uh at social media and to that i say uh aoc x bts is the answer
3: yeah, no. Biden for sure needs BTS uh, at the Washington Monument for inauguration.
1: Absolutely, Biden. I don't know what BTS stands for, but I'm gonna put Biden in it.
3: Uh, bang! I can't. Uh, it does stand for something.
2: Yeah, uh, and then you can have it play dynamite. You know, I mean, it just Ooh. it all works together. Like the like we could be talking about some great synergy going on here
1: oh yeah bang i mean i don't know how to pronounce korean obviously yeah bang tan somebody god i hope no one who speaks korean is listening
3: it's something it's something like does it have the pronunciation or the, the 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 literal translation there no it uh,
2: just has it written in korean it's something it's something also soldiers. known as the bangtan boys bangtan, bangtan. boys
1: yeah, so uh, Biden needs to hook up with BTS. I think there's no question about it. I love that when I typed in BTS, the like people also ask, "Do BTS have girlfriends? Why is BTS so popular?"
3: <laughs> uh, so uh, not, it, it's actually a better name than I gave credit for. Not soldiers. Uh, so Bangtan Son Dan is the Korean right. meaning. The literal translation is bulletproof boy scouts.
2: Oh wow, which is pretty good. That and, is I cool. mean, You have to have them at the inauguration there. I mean, you have to. I mean, they're bulletproof, yeah. and, they're and they scouts. should
3: they should be dressed as Eagle Scouts. Of course, uh,
1: I think QAnon would really have a a day with naming oh, a group God. the Biden Boy Scouts. So I think we should not. We should yeah, not no. do that.
2: No. 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 no.
1: Okay. On that, on that note, <laughs> should we actually like, hey, go through the results? Yeah, do you
3: want to dig in some more on QAnon while we're Spe- here? Speaking of the flight logs,
2: uh, Top Flight started this show. Oh, <laughs> wow. We were doing so well on transitions. <laughs> and then you just, just like Jim Ross, you just stepped in it.
1: Uh, the Top Flight logs kicked off the show. <laughs> um,
3: and, and the classic JR double down. <laughs>
1: We, i thought this was interesting right because they talk a lot about their format and basically they kicked this show off with a video which they say you know is like hard to get people to watch but they had them come out to the ring and made very clear like this match against the young bucks was happening but then they went in to a video to tell us about top flight uh the interesting thing about it i thought was them saying that they dm'd matt jackson and just straight up asked him to watch their highlight reel and he responded and Uh, You know, in classic Matt Jackson fashion, it was like, fuck, we got to sign these guys based on this video. Uh, So he said, we'll have the head of talent relations, which I believe is Christopher Daniels, right? Uh, Reach out to them. And apparently Miro broke this news. I didn't know. But Tony Khan also confirmed it in an article that uh, Nate shared today uh, that Top Flight's definitely signed to AEW.
3: Yeah, and they had a really good debut showing here oh, for right. what is what is a twenty-one-year-old and a nineteen-year-old team. I think, yeah, like pretty impressive uh, on on national cable television for the first time.
1: Yeah, the the Bucks obviously won with the BTE trigger. Uh, I think Mike and I discussed this a lot in the Discord. It's like okay, we all kind of thought the same thing about private party when they had the big Young Bucks private party match. So I think the first thing we have to take into consideration is that the Young Bucks are very, very good. And so we should be careful about, you know, anointing top flight. But I think they certainly were at least uh, more than good enough to be on national TV.
2: Yeah. And I think the big thing about this and about this point is the Bucks have a history of being able to plug teams into their formula and making them look great. And they've did this in PWG. They did this in Ring of Honor. They did this in New Japan. So I've seen a bunch of top flight and I do think that they have a higher ceiling, no pun intended, than a private party. But it is something that now I'm interested to see what comes from them next before like throwing like huge labels and declarations on them.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. But I was impressed. uh, Mostly I was impressed that like for as young as they are, they didn't seem overwhelmed by the moment or even anxious at any time like they seem very comfortable i'm sure that was also being in there with a team like the bucks but that can work both ways right like on one hand it's like oh we have the bucks to lead us through this on the other hand it's like i mean these guys are young enough to have come up watching the young bucks so i'm sure it was uh, a a starstruck type moment at least at first for them so kudos
3: it is uh you kind of forget that nick jackson is still like pretty young like 31 31. Like, yeah. He's like, I guess it kind of like, you know, I, I guess I'd call him the, this is appropriate because he would steal Nick Jackson's gear all the time. He's like the white tag team Okada. Right. Cause he's like, Oh, you've had, you're like probably getting in the hall of fame. And also you're like, not in your mid thirties yet.
2: It, it It's something that like that really kind of struck me watching that Nate is that. So Matt is 35. Nick is 31. And like, the idea that Type flight or 19 and 21, they solved the Bucks since they were kids. The Bucks have been like figures for like the last decade and cl- longer than that if you're following them in other companies. And it's just like, this is like the first like true like generational match. Like, you remember like whenever teams would face the Hardy Boys, like when the Bucks face the Hardy Boys, but how like this was like a big generational like team kind of match, like growing up watching this, they top flight definitely like at least their adolescent watch a lot of the young Bucks.
1: I mean, yeah, they've been national figures since at least 2009, I would say. So, 2009
2: with uh, Dragon Gate USA. Yeah.
1: So, they for sure people uh, would know who they are. But yeah, good match. After the match, TH2 attacked Top Flight and the Bucks chased them away. So, we get the return of TH2, uh, an immediate program, I guess, for them. So, that's nice and uh, something cool for everybody to do
3: this uh i just in my own head canon like of course jack evans would be mad about this and would just want to take out these kids because he's like he's you know he's not a young man he's like a he's like a embittered veteran who break dances and is still super entertaining
2: i'm all for this i think this is a a good feud for top flight if they're as they're under contract i think this is like a good way to kind of get them ingratiated and you know I mean Jack Evans was the high flyer even before Nick and Matt Jackson so oh, he that's is kind of cool as well. Yeah.
3: Oh wait, who's the highest flyer? Is it Jack or is it Air Fox? Air Fox. Jesus. Fox, oh,
2: that's, that's, Fox that's is my bad. The highest flyer, it's Jack Evans so There's a Evans lot of the
3: competition there. If Air Fox is the highest flyer, he's getting very high cuz you got Jack, <laughs> you got Matt. Those guys like to get high. I do I think the I think the feud is TH2 versus the Bucks probably and not so much top flight, maybe they go through top flight first. Yeah. Uh, but it feels like the Bucks, you know, THQ's been pretty relegated to the back burner for a while, and that that seems like, you know, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, they probably want to to get those guys online and running in this company.
1: Next up, we have the first inner circle slays Vegas um, skit. I don't know video. Uh, we've pretty much already talked about what happened. Uh, they were in Vegas. Conan was there. Uh, the one thing I did want to say, Nate, is you're right that I thought Sammy added like the heft to this, but I I guess he's also a non drinker. So actually pretty impressive the way he was able to capture, like how an actual, a drug person tells you they hate you (laughs) (laughs) as someone who has regularly been told by drug people that they hate him. Uh, Okay. (laughs) John Moxley. He says he's got a a video promo video. So it's a crazy ride. He's been on for 16 years, but suddenly the whole world makes sense to him. Uh, he says that the reason he got here was because of his dad, who was a big, scary guy who picked him up from a police station. He didn't tell us uh, how that how that got there. But uh, he said his dad didn't hit him, which I guess was nice of his father. He said he looked at him and told him, we're the good guys, no matter what happens. Remember, we're the good guys. So then he talks about how the everyone has tried to lie, cheat and steal the title away from him. Uh, but he's known what to do because he knows we're the good guys. The whole world's bearing down on him. His body hurts. He drops the news that his wife is pregnant here in this promo, and talks about how he has two titles on two different promos on two different continents. Uh, so he says tonight he's going to walk to the ring, sign the contract, and let Kenny Omega know in no uncertain terms he's the best wrestler in the world. He's John Goddamn Moxley, and that's never going to change.
2: I feel like this is was one of John Moxley's best promos in the company. I felt like that he has been able to come off like as what a babyface champion should be in 2020 and just kind of like talking about like just like a very like simple story and it's not him doing his joking that he likes to do sometimes but it's like a simple story about saying i i, I might be a rough guy but i'm a good guy and that was a lesson that my dad who you know he doesn't talk uh he hasn't his dad's never really been a figure in his promos but he brought it up there and it just was like that. And then like dropping in the idea of like, oh yeah, now I'm having a kid and I'm going to part this and kind of having the, 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 viewer infer that this is like lessons he's going to be passing on to his children as well. And I thought that that was like really a, 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 nice like understated promo. And I feel like that Moxley knocked it out of the park. And it's something that I'm, it's a shame that they did like another beatdown of Moxley right after this, because this, like, I think this is my favorite John Moxley promo in the company. Like, I feel like that it was that exceptional of a promo. Either this or like his post-title win for him, I thought this was great work from him. Well, I
3: was not that high on it. I thought it was pretty solid. Um, I know we've, I know they've made hay for about, I'm sorry to, to bring this up, Lance Archer and him having a feud in Japan before their feud here. But have they previously explicitly said, oh, I'm the champion in another company right now too? I feel like it hasn't been addressed.
1: I don't recall that being
3: addressed. Yeah, I think this is maybe the first time they got mentioned. They
1: kind of would just say like, "Oh, we had a war in Japan." Yeah, but didn't really say what were the stakes or who won, even really. Yeah,
3: and even then, it's like, "Oh no!" Currently, right now, I'm the champion in another promotion. <laughs> like, that's uh, that jumped out of me, as well as the pregnancy news.
1: Yeah, it is interesting because it's like, well, how are they going to handle this whole deal where it looks like he's probably going to Japan to defend that title? And so I'm interested to see how AEW handles all that, since he'll probably need to be off TV for quite some time if that's going to happen.
3: Well, I don't... Yeah, they can make it easy. The easy way to handle it is he loses the belt, and then he disappears. Yeah. So it doesn't take much handling. But, you know, um, I think we can reasonably infer that AEW has first dibs on John Moxley's dates in general. Yeah. So... I think on some level it is probably regarded as a W Tony Khan doing John Moxley a favor by letting him go to Japan and defend this title and in doing so doing new Japan, a favor. Um, so, you know, that's uh, kind of making those allowances is maybe the kind of thing that uh, brings you into better terms with someone. So, yeah, again, sorry to bring it up.
1: That's <laughs> oh, fine. I'm just thinking about now he'll, he'll literally have to be off TV for a month to yeah. do that.
3: Yeah. Just but from the quarantine. Right. And that's I, I don't I even mind that especially if he's losing the title like it's kind of good when somebody loses a belt like that to to make you miss them for a little bit, right? Yeah. Even uh Bradley Bradley Lee's been gone, guessing injured. Um but you know, he lost the title, basically vanished from the dark order. Um, there's somebody else that's just like
1: Cody was gone when he for a while after he lost the title
3: yeah there's somebody I don't know anyway
1: yeah uh, next up Orange Cassidy defeated Kip Sabian with the Mouse Trap after the match Miro who was on commentary left commentary and attacked Orange but the best friends made the save so we're two for two on matches having post-match beat up angles
3: I just loved Miro's performance of this layout like he did it very yeah. casually came in crushed the guy looked great in the adidas uh and then just did like a like a casual workout jog to the back uh just like looking like he was enjoying himself uh also good on commentary hat you know showed some of uh i do kind of think maybe there's if we see too much of miro if we get to know him too much then he might diminish his own star a little bit uh even though that's kind of just how stardom works now on the internet with your with your twitch streamers and youtubers and shit Uh, but i thought on commentary he was pretty charming and uh interesting as a character and then he he capped it off well by killing orange cassidy in a very effective way
2: miro yet again proves that he's a main eventer and he owns i think that's pretty obvious here and i thought that he did a good job on commentary and like nate said like he looked like a boss laying out orange Cassidy after this
1: I'm sorry to say this, Mike, but the Adidas short suit did drop him
2: down in my swag ratings. How uh, scary? How? No, way, no, way, man. no, no, no way. Sorry, great.
1: Mike, but he should have better clothes than a podcaster. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean,
3: if it's good enough for Blackpink, <laughs> it's good enough for Mike and Miro. Ooh, that's a good morning show.
2: Mike and Miro. Mike and Miro in the morning. I would love. I feel like that Miro and I would have a great morning show and since I've been personally slighted, we might be needing a new a new co-host for AEW Live. That's true. But
3: we should make the uh, make the offer to Miro.
1: Oh.
2: I think that uh, you've crossed some dangerous people, Aaron Bentley. You've crossed. <laughs> My, some, uh,
1: I listened to Miro on the on Talk is Jericho. My favorite part was I mean and he at least sounded like he was being serious. He was like it's time for us to take AEW mainstream. John Moxley, I love him, but he has uh, thirty thousand followers on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, so it's time to put the title on me, on like a real crossover star.
3: Yeah, it's like, I mean, to some degree, he's right. That is how young people understand stardom now is fucking Instagram and shit. So he's yeah. not wrong. Um, it is funny that that's how he views. <laughs> Everything and he called him Johnny Moxley, which I thought was very cool.
2: God, Miro is the best. Imagine not loving this guy, yeah, he's very cool. Uh,
1: okay, then we had the what was supposed to be the Omega Moxley contract signing. Kenny Omega came out first as we were waiting for him. Uh, we as we're waiting for Moxley, rather, we go up on the screen and we see that he's been knocked out backstage. Uh, we come back. Omega says, Hey, you know, the last time it was an elbow, now it's a bloody nose. He says, John, you're not getting out of it this time, which I thought this was a pretty good callback to uh, their uh, the beginnings of their feud here and cements my, uh, Omega further as a heel.
3: Yeah, I think maybe, maybe he could have even hit it a little bit harder. Like maybe people don't remember the circumstances of the elbow injury. Uh, <clears throat> but him just writing that off as a bloody nose was some funny heel shtick.
2: It, it, I also like that. He made like they made like such a big deal of the in the intro of trying to set him above uh Moxley, like talking about like he's in the hall of fame. He was PW Insider, uh top one top wrestler in the world before him. He was doing this. I thought like that was a good way delineating the two. And you know, it's something where it took it took them approximately four weeks, but Kenny Omega is a superstar now.
3: I remember the people that we haven't seen, uh, and I was reminded by Mike shouting out PW Insider. FDR lost the belts and then just disappeared.
1: Yeah, so maybe that's, I mean, the company's just going to do that, where guys disappear, yeah. which I think is good. I agree with you. Yeah,
3: I think it's good. Unless unless you really have to go right to something else, you know, but it's only part one of your little feud or whatever. But if that's the end of your feud and you want to crown the other person and establish, no, they're the champion now, no better way than to have them, you know, make John Moxley disappear for a month.
1: Next up was the inner circle hangover thing that we've already talked about. Uh, Then after that, Pack defeated Blade with the Brutalizer. Uh, After the match, Pack turns to Eddie Kingston. He says, you say you like to fight, Uh, but before he can get out anything else, the Butcher attacks him from behind. Uh, And then Eddie Kingston, of course, comes down from commentary. He is not impressed. He's not sympathetic for Pack having been uh, at home for eight months. He says, you think you have what it takes? I'm going to put you through the storm, which I like that. I just thought that was a very evocative thing from Eddie Kingston. Uh, Phoenix comes out to save Pack, but Kingston and Butcher and Blade got the advantage. And then in an angle that would be repeated later, (laughs) Pentagon comes out with a chair. We're not sure what he's going to do. Whose side is he on? But he goes after Kingston and clears the ring. So we have the new setup. Uh, The Butcher and Blade and Eddie on one team and the death triangle is reformed. I have to say quickly, because I left this out earlier in the listener deletes. uh, I wanted to shout out Discord uh, user M Gallup, who his delete was everything else on the show was pretty good, but it was all worse than the death triangle.
3: Yeah, I'd love to see them back. Uh, Pentagon, second great run in fit on this show after Miro. Boo. First. Number one. Pinta number one. I mean, Mike could buy that sweatshirt. I don't...
2: I mean, could I? Yeah, I'm pretty
3: sure sure they sell it on (laughs) Masked Republic or something.
2: Yeah, you're right. I could. I'm probably not going to, but I could. (laughs) All right. uh, Backstage, Jake Cargill
1: is attacking Brandy. Uh, We talked about that segment already. And then we went into the NWA Women's title. Ed Cargill, very tall, very tall, a lot tall. of abs,
3: very tall. That's a tall glass of water.
1: <laughs> All right, Jr. You <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna say she's uh, an absolute unit next?
3: No, <laughs> I don't. I don't engage in these Twitter phrases.
1: <laughs> no, I. Th- isn't that what uh, isn't that what Ross usually says about the women? It's like, oh, she's... <laughs> She's a a unit like the women who are just like bigger. Like he has to say something about them being bigger.
2: Sturdy, like he's like the that they're strong and sturdy. Like that's that's kind of what. Yeah, Yeah, he does not say absolute unit. He's not talking (laughs) about former opposition leader of the parliament, Jeremy. (laughs) No,
3: (laughs) he's the absolute boy. Absolute unit was a different Twitter meme.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it was a soccer player. There was like a soccer player that was just massive. Yeah. Well. You know, Twitter has
1: infected my brain, so I cannot notice that. <laughs> I, apparently, I picked
3: up on that. <laughs>
2: yeah, apparently, Twitter hasn't infected your brain enough so that you're getting your memes right, though.
1: No, it makes me confuse them for sure. <laughs> uh, NWA Women's Title: Serena Deeb retains. She defeated Thunder Rosa with the Serenity Lock uh, during the match. As we were talking about, Rebel distracted the ref. Britt Baker attacked Rosa. Didn't lead to the finish. And then after the match, they had a, another big brawl. But this one was good. Uh, Rosa and Britt really got it heated and, and made this feel like uh, a fun feud to watch.
3: Yeah, I was like, people are so thankful to have Britt Baker involved in something, which is funny. They're like, yes, here comes the juice in this division. <laughs> Hit Baker. Hit motherfucking Baker. Uh, <laughs> I was right there with him. I'm like, yeah, no. I mean, it was a really good match but that uh, the post-match angle. Took it over the top.
2: And you had, like, I guess it was Rosa who, like, knocked over Bryce Rumsberg pretty convincingly, like, getting, like, it wasn't, like, a one of those pull-aparts where, like, it's, like, nothing really happens. Like, they, this was a very good pull-apart brawl. Like, this is heated, and, I mean, it's been clear that they've been kind of protective of Britt in the ring, especially after the, uh, what was that even called, that that cinematic match that she had with uh, Big Swole? The, uh...
3: Tooth for a Tooth match? To the nail. nail match.
2: Tooth we did a whole match. bit yeah. about it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mine, we... mine was the joke. <laughs> <laughs> but like now, I this is like a feud I'm really into, and I'm excited to see where it can go.
1: Well, it's also cool to see Thunder Rosa, which I mean, I know she had the match with Sheeta, but it's like, okay, it feels like she's really being integrated into the division if she's now interacting with Brit. Also, uh, I'm really fascinated about like what happened with uh thunder rosa to where it was like holy shit we got to get all the belts off of her and then all this stuff hit the hit the media of like oh is she going to wwe is she signing with aw and then the response was actually she signed for another year with nwa so it, it just feels like something was cooking and then it went away and now we're just like back on the train we were on before i wonder yeah. if we'll ever know what
3: that was that is yeah i get you can if you want to be generous, take like every criticism. Like we don't really know what happens a lot of time where they start and stop things. And there's like COVID going on and like people have injuries that aren't reported in AEW really. So hard to say, but that was very unusual. There definitely seemed like there was some kind of break and then it just like continued right where it left off.
1: Yes. uh, But you know, it's a match that I'm looking forward to or just like a feud I'm looking forward to. So it's good to have Rosa around for sure. Uh, then we had the Anna Jay and John Silver backstage segment. Uh, Silver says, before the Dark Order found you, you were a rookie. You were the star of the show. Now you're the Queen Slayer, undefeated in your last four matches, ranked in the top five. Uh, and Anna Jay said uh, to Hikaru Shida, last time we wrestled, you took advantage of a rookie, but now allow me to reintroduce myself. And we announced that uh, Anna Jay will challenge for the title next week on Dynamite.
3: I think uh, I think John and Anna have some chemistry. Uh, I also in my this is maybe headcanon or maybe just uh, the sort of the sort of patterns that you pick up in like a psychedelic fueled vision when you watch a lot of BTE like I I have to do for a Patreon. Uh, I have this idea that they rib her a lot about her star of the show gimmick where she was like a magician's assistant. Uh, And that's funny to me because it's like, yeah, that is funny.
1: It's very funny. Uh, I definitely think. I, let's talk old memes. We need a Preston Vance, uh, but it's John Silver, the guy she told you not to worry about. I mean, I fucked it up, but you guys know what I mean. Uh, I
3: don't know. Okay. In this which, meme, which order are they supposed to be going?
1: Preston Vance in? is you. Okay. And then John Silver is the guy she told you not to worry about.
3: Okay. You got well, it? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. But yeah. why Preston Vance? That's
1: her that I, mean, I believe they're dating.
3: Okay. That's Doesn't what I'm it. told. Don't That's know. what I'm
1: told. I don't know that to
3: be sure. <laughs> there there is a ongoing bit on BTE now where uh John prefers to hug Preston Vance than he does Anna J. So.
1: I love Nate. I mean, you watched BTE long before we did this podcast or had a Patreon. I love the idea that you would no longer watch BTE if we didn't have a Patreon.
3: Yeah, well see somebody asked on our Q and a episode for the Patreon what the hardest part of doing the, the podcast and, and Patreon is, uh, and it's that I have to do things. Sure. Uh, I don't want to do anything that I have to do simply for the reason that I have to do it. Sure. So yeah, then it becomes an obligation. And then it's like, no, I don't want to do any obligations. I want to do anything else, but obligations. Yeah. Could, couldn't agree
1: more. Uh, we had a Darby video. Uh, he's in a church. There's, uh, I wrote very cool, chill music.
3: Oh, I meant yeah. to shout out the music uh both here and in the second hangover video. This was like perfect for Darby, the music they scored this with. Uh, and the, the music in the second hangover video was like weirdly like Disney magical fairyland adjacent. Like out it, it reminded me of something from like the Page Master, but it was like swaggle in a diaper. Anyway, uh I, I always give a shout out to AW's willingness to use not traditional wrestling music on their show and I think it worked here as well.
1: There was also fire by the way. Um and then we went into the main event, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks defeated Cody and Darby Allen, Cage pinned Darby with an avalanche drill claw. They did the Will Hobbs angle after the match. Um everybody knows I hate when the when the champion gets pinned and I thought that was
3: going to be your delete here.
1: Yeah, I mean I did hate it. Um, and like I said, this group people are like, well, that's what I expected was going to happen. Well, okay. But they booked the match. Like, yes, it looks like Darby would be the guy to take the fall in this match, but you made him the champion. And then yeah. you booked this match.
3: I kind of liked it. I knew, I, I don't think, I think you're totally valid in not liking it when oh, champions are pinned. I think that's usually correct. Um, but I think Brian Cage needed a little something. Because I don't know that he's had a big quality win since his uh, his title challenge against Moxley, right? And I also think Darby is not a champion where you're supposed to believe that he can win every match. You know, you look at his yeah. win loss record; he's like nine and four or something, and he's always the undersigned guy. I think that it can even work to your advantage if you have him take falls that aren't, you know, don't really hurt him here. But then that makes when he gets these big you know, undersized against the giant comebacks and his singles title matches makes them more uh makes them feel more special.
1: Yeah, it's 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 weird because on one hand, I mean, I you're right that it's like Darby is not just out destroying people all the time. But that also means that you have to be protective of him so that you still think he can get the win. And it's like if this is going to lead to a Darby Brian Cage match, when you look at that There's no reason to believe that Darby could beat him unless you show with Darby over and over and over again that he finds a way to, uh, you know, come from beneath and uh, go against all odds and get the win. You know, so I just worry that you take a little bit of his mystique away. It's like, dude, if you put the belt on Darby and then you book this match, I know you want to protect Cody, but Cody's got to take the fall here. Brian Cage pinning Cody would have been a huge, uh, huge thing for him as far as getting his momentum going into something else.
3: Yeah. I think maybe, maybe paying Cody is 5% better. That's where I'd put it.
2: I guess like my thing about this is it, the the feud clearly was that Ricky and team Taz is like the person that Taz chose when Darby chose him, uh, turn him back. And it kind of like pulls focus away from what I think the core feud is now that, in all rights and privileges, Brian Cage should have a TNT title shot, right?
3: I, I think they, I think they blew off Ricky and Darby. I think it's moving to Darby and Cage.
2: Yeah, I think he uh, he made
1: it through him. Even though I think that's the mo- much more interesting story is Darby right, and yeah. Ricky. But yeah, I think it's like, oh, he beat Ricky, so now uh, he's like moving up in the team Taz, whatever. All right. If you uh, enjoy this fine podcast, if I do say so myself, and you want to support us, head on over to patreon.com slash everything elite. Uh, try out a subscription. Uh, we got three tiers, but $5 will get you all the audio we do, all the audio we've ever done. Uh, this week, we had the Talking a Mania 2 review. Uh, it was Nate. It was Oak Gann, It was Drew Spears. How did it go, Nate?
3: I thought it went pretty well. I don't, maybe not as good as the first one. What'd you think, Aaron? You really liked the first one, I know.
1: I, okay, let's try not to undersell the content on well, the Patreon. I
3: feel I feel like part of my gimmick also is radical honesty. Um, so yeah, uh, I still had fun. I
2: laughed a lot. I really enjoyed listening to it, and it encouraged me to go seek out Talking Shop of Mania too.
1: Thank you, Mike. See, I've never had that problem listening to your Talking Shop of Mania reviews. I think listening to the review is is all I need from the content. I don't actually have to watch the show.
3: Yeah, you probably don't really need to watch the show. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, hey, it's a value because it's cheaper than the show was.
1: That's right. There you go. This is like, uh, to me, a podcasting all-star team. So I just suggest uh, that everyone check it out. We, of course, also, uh, Mike and I, on light we preview dynamite review dark Nate comes in with the BTE quick hits next week on dynamite Mike and I are doing this is John Moxley we're tearing into uh the entirety of John Moxley's career uh based around as we did with the Chris Jericho episode based around five of his matches but we'll kind of intersperse some the, some of the story in between those matches
2: Yeah I've been doing a lot I'm taking the lead here as someone who has been watching a lot of Pre WWE John Moxley earlier. So it's going to be fun. I I submitted the matches to AB. We're going to only make a brief stay in Dragon Gate USA, but then we're going to go look at like the overall kind of arc that he's had throughout his his career and just like an interesting person to to, like talk about their rise over the last 11 years. So it's a lot more compact than the Jericho episode, but I think there's going to be a lot of kind of interesting things to talk about the twists and turns of one John Moxley.
1: I'm looking forward to it. So head over to patreon.com slash everything elite and sign up now. Okay. uh, Next week on dynamite. Here's what we know is happening. Chris Jericho and Jake Hager versus the SCU team, uh, Frankie Gazarian and Christopher Daniels. The women's title will be on the line with a Shida defending against Anna Jay pack and Ray Phoenix. Taking on the Butcher and the Blade, which I think Pack and Phoenix is like a very fun tag team. And also, Will Hobbs will be in action.
2: Looks like an interesting episode. I mean, yeah. I I think Butcher and the Blade versus uh, Pack and Phoenix, as you said, is pretty compelling stuff. And it's kind of interesting. Like, this is how they're going to get the two or the two sides together into what I hope is going to be like this big giant Trios blow off. Like, that's what I'm hoping comes out of this. But I like this first step here. Like packing Phoenix on a a tag team is such a wild thing. Just like just the concept of it excites me.
1: And then, of course, we are two weeks away. Is that right? From winter is coming. uh, The and that will have the men's world title match. John Moxley defending against Kenny Omega. So that's coming up very quickly.
2: So uh, before we go what Game of Thrones tie-ins or what other Warner Media properties do you want uh, All Elite Wrestling to co-op as they're able to, apparently? Because I think they should do a, a how-to-get-by-an-America thing around July 1st or July Right.
1: I guess we didn't say this, but it, it came out that this is an official tie-in. They have leased, I don't know,
2: the Lic- uh, license. license, that's license. the right
1: term. They've licensed Winter is Coming from, uh, you know, Game of Thrones or from Warner Media, basically. So this is this is real shit.
3: Um, yeah, that's funny to me. I think the, the reference in a vacuum is like a little bit cringe, uh, cause it's like nobody likes game of Thrones anymore. Uh, and even that particular season was, I don't know, it feels like a decade ago. Uh, but that it's officially licensed from Warner media makes it good to me and funny to me. Um, doing a quick look at the wiki cause same <laughs> Mike, Mike sprung this on us. I've got to go with we need we need the AEW x Crunchyroll collaboration. Ooh. Um, you know, have have Miro shoot an angle at the official Anime Awards. Uh I think that's where the money is.
1: I'm thinking that they should So Tony Khan's already tried to become best booker. I think Tony Khan should try to overtake the Dave Meltzer star system with That's right, AEW x Rotten Tomatoes.
3: Mm. Mm. I that's don't just, know about uh, that. That's just, that's just uh, Grapple, isn't it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Grapple app. Grapple. Uh, Larry Sanders. <laughs> okay.
3: That's good. Ooh, a hologram? Larry Sanders hologram?
2: Yeah, I mean, sadly, Gary Shanley has passed, and you don't want uh, Jeremy Tamber on, so I kind of Ooh. made things difficult there. Uh, I feel like list.
3: Tony Khan, t- Larry Sanders' show is probably the best comedy that Tony Khan could like. Right? You <laughs> know, he, know, he's like a South Park guy. Oh,
2: there's but, no way like, he's Ray Sanders. Is, is.
3: I don't know. I feel like because it was HBO and you know, he had HBO.
2: Oh, absolutely. Do you think he watched Dream On? Uh, no. I, I'm right now just naming 1990s HBO shows. So. I mean, we've already had the Arliss crossover in WCW. I, I remember, remember when
3: Arliss was on television.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I guess like the thing is we have to make sure there's some no new rules and no Bill Maher. Oh, please. No. I, I had to do that bad reference. I, I, I regret that immediately. I apologize, everyone, <laughs> for putting you all through that.
1: No, it's okay. I didn't mind it. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, Adult Swim is a Warner property well, uh,
2: you
3: named one you got one
2: yeah you, yeah yeah and, and they've already done uh rick and morty before
3: oh do you see ariana grande was on adult Swim the other day did you see that clip i did not see that they apparently they did a live thundercat show fuck is that the right name
2: the thundercats yeah
3: no the, the the bassist guy who does cool uh like yacht rock
2: oh that's beyond me now
3: <laughs> yeah
1: you've you've moved beyond anything i know
3: so i yeah it's thundercat i i because that's also like a classic hanna-barbera cartoon or whatever i was like wait that can't be right because i got it mixed up with cartoon network thundercat he's like you know la west coast uh cool basis guy that does like uh contemporary you know uh contemporarily influenced rock adjacent stuff it's good shit. anyway they had like a live concert on adult swim The other day from his studio or whatever and ariana grande showed up in the middle of it and sat in and started singing a song uh so there you go big opportunity if if tony can't swing bts and joe biden can't swing bts let's get uh let's get ariana by way of adult swim
2: all right i think it's possible i like that
3: yeah because she's not at the inauguration because we know she's a bernie girl that's right that's absolutely right
1: okay well I think that's everything uh, for this week. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at everything AEW. Uh, make sure you are following all of us. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Heya. Subscribe to the podcast on the podcast app of your choice. Give us a five-star rating and a review on the Apple podcast app. If you want to support the show, two main ways to do it. Patreon.com slash everything elite or head over to my bookie. Use the promo code elite uh, and get a big fat double a deposit bonus. So
3: it's actually like making money out of thin air if you think about it, because like not only do you get one hundred percent back on your deposit, you also make money for us. So it's like, like if everybody did that, we could solve all the economical problems. we could just be printing money, basically. I don't know why nobody's come up with this before.
1: That's true. If all our listeners would go uh, put some money into my book and get double their deposit, then, yeah, they'd get rich. We'd get rich. Uh, I think everything would be great. You're right. No wow, there is no downside.
3: This money thing's fake, dude. <laughs> <laughs> <it's> made up.
1: <laughs> everything at least going to become a uh, modern monetary theory podcast very quickly.
2: I, I have some opinions about the gold standard that I'm ready to get into when oh, this happens. No. All, right. all
1: right, cut the mics. Uh, all right, for Mike, for Nate, I'm AB. We'll see you next week.